Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another Sinister Sunday. Uh, my name is Bo. I will be your host for the next, oh, 45 to 90 minutes, depending on uh, where this goes. What's going on, guys? Lee, what's going on? Jason, Gary, nice to see you. So, uh, what is happening? Um, it, it has been uh, a while since I've been able to do one of these. Just uh, uh, Here's the thing. So, in the interest of having, you know, a life, um, I try to limit myself to about three recordings a week. And uh, the one thing that will get pushed quicker than anything is one of these. Because, especially on Sundays, I like a lazy Sunday. Uh, I'm a big fan. In fact, this very Sunday, I spent a fair amount of it in in my recliner, part of it napping. So uh, it is a minor miracle I made it to this. But uh, the point being, I, I try to do about three recordings a week and, and keep it no more than about three recordings a week. And um, so I, I don't do a Sinister Sunday as often as I had originally intended, but... The fact that I've been limiting my recordings to about uh, three a week means that I tend to be a lot more enthusiastic for all of them. Um, that it's not like, okay, here comes another one. Here's another recording. Um, and uh, and all of that is kind of leading up to some stuff that I hope to start premiering in June. Which will be, um, you know, like some interviews and some deeper dives into some stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah, just, uh, doing cool shit. That's the plan is, uh, is more cool shit. And, uh, I hope you've enjoyed the dark parade, uh, as, as it has been, uh, you know, ramping up. I've been doing it for about six months now and, uh, I'm having a good time. I, I, I enjoy the hell out of doing that. So, um, more to come. More interesting stuff to come, I I hope, uh, and and you know all uh, like Lee and Gary have both been on the show, so uh, I appreciate everybody participating. I'm in May, which will be all uh, aquatic horror movies. Um, I'm having some guests, like some people I've never talked to before, uh, and we'll see how that goes. That could be a disaster, um, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I want to kind of mix things up a little bit too. Uh, Duncan's going to come on for an episode finally. Um, before we get too far, um, I want to point out, oh good, Alan's here. Okay. So it, before we go any further, the, uh, if you missed the most recent Duncan and Bo come correct, uh, this was recently gifted to me. And, um, I just want to once again, say thank you for receiving this and to give, uh, like, I don't know. Hold on. Are you, are you seeing all of this in all of its glory? We've got Wilford Brimley there. Uh, of course your, your Sasquatch. And then, uh, yeah, over here's your, your killer grizzly. Um, yeah, it's. It, it just absolutely wonderful. I have uh, I've been debating <laughs> where to hang this, and I think I think it's gonna go right above me here. But 
Um, yeah, it, it, one of the best things that I've received, not just as a result of podcasting, just in general, that, that is incredible. I love it so much. Um, anyway, so that if, if no other, uh, benefit comes out of doing podcast ever, then, uh, I, you know, I've won, I've succeeded. That, that's a real good time. I was telling, uh, my lady friend all about it and showing it off to her. Um, just the other day and she was like, you know, I could hang that in my office. I was like, bull to the shit that, that, that is going up somewhere that I can, uh, I can handle it. Um, yeah. So Jason points out it's used to, to communicate with Brimley himself. That is what we established yesterday on the most recent duck and a bow come correct. Speaking of, uh, duck and a bow come correct. If you didn't watch yesterday's episode, uh, obviously the audio version will be out uh, in in a week. But I I had a crackpot theory about the orphan on that show being an actual orphan, by which I mean, you know, the cinematic version of the orphan, where it turns out that they're actually an Eastern European adult posing as a child, and it totally came true. It was nonsense. It was one of and. It involves uh, magic mushrooms and the the orphan in question eating someone's face. It was just a delight. So if you haven't uh, given that episode a watch and or a listen, I highly, highly recommend it. We had a really good time talking about that episode. That was a lot of fun. Um, And that's not something I can say about Slasher all the time. Usually Slasher is kind of a bummer. Uh, and we just, you know, do what we can to make it entertaining. Yesterday was, uh, was fully entertaining. Um, so I have a handful of news stories I want to talk about. And obviously anything you guys want to talk about, throw it into the chat. Uh, first of all, let's, uh, let's get to the, the biggest story as far as I'm concerned, which is that David Cronenberg is remaking kind of a short film that he did way, way back in the day called Crimes of the Future. Only this one is a, you know, big budget affair with Viggo Mortensen and Leia Seydoux and uh, Kristen Stewart. Kristen? Kirsten Stewart? Kristen Stewart? One of those. Um, And that means that he is returning to by all appearances, kind of uh, an almost naked lunch level of body horror. It looks bananas. It looks like a weird sequel to Videodrome in a lot of ways. And I could not be more excited. Uh, I I think if I showed the, the actual uh, trailer here, I think we'll get, you know, a copyright infringement or something. But... Uh, I, I thought, uh, on watching, especially that international trailer, I can't recommend it enough. It is the absolute best. Um, it is everything that you want out of a Cronenberg trailer is like, oh, there are fleshy looking tubes being plugged into people. There's almost like an existence style fleshy pod being, you know, laid on top of someone. It's. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, I, I could not be happier about any of this. Um, so I'm, you know, there, there's just nothing better than 
new Cronenberg, right? Like a, a brand new David Cronenberg movie and not just David Cronenberg, but David Cronenberg going back to, you know, that kind of sci-fi horror vibe that Cronenberg lays. I mean, there's an adjective for his style of filmmaking. There's a, like a Cronenbergian kind of vibe to a movie. And, you know, n- not to say that his later films have not been great, um, but, you know, they're not horror movies per se. You know, his last, in fact, let us, let us apply some, uh, master of horror science to David Cronenberg, if we have not already done so. Uh, I also just want to look at the, the last handful of movies that he did. So yeah, he did Maps to the Stars, Cosmopolis, uh, Dangerous Method, Eastern Promises were his last four. All of them at least interesting movies, if not really good movies. Eastern Promises is one of the best movies you're ever going to see. But, you know, not horror films, certainly not body horror films. Um, but let's let's get to Master of Horror Territory. You know, this is what we're here for is science. Um, so let's look at his first features, uh, outside of TV movies and so forth. So right out of the gate, Shivers, fantastic movie. Um, if you want to see a movie that is somewhat about, you know, venereal disease, but also kind of about the sexual revolution and maybe that's not such a good thing and maybe the sexual revolution is good. Anyway. Shivers is fantastic. So right out of the gate, one for one. Uh, then you've got Rabid, which is uh, also very good. A kind of an interesting take on on vampirism. And also, you know, plastic surgery and experiment. Using people as guinea pigs and all that kind of stuff. Really dipping into that sci-fi horror kind of vibe. Uh, so absolutely, Rabid. Uh, two for two. Um, then you've got The Brood. And I got to tell you, I'm not the biggest fan of The Brood. I know a lot of people love The Brood. I'm, I think it's okay. It's just not one of my favorites. So for me personally, let's say it's a two out of three. Um, that The Brood is good, not a master of horror kind of, kind of thing. But the next movie is Scanners, and Scanners rocks. Scanners is fantastic. It is, it is the movie for my money that put Michael Ironsides on the map. And, uh, that was, uh, like a revelation. Michael Ironsides is still one of my favorite actors just showed up in that, uh, uh, Hulu series, the dropout about Theranos and Elizabeth. What's her name? Anyway, the, the Theranos lady who was defrauding all those people. Anyway, doesn't matter where her last name is. Michael Ironsides was on that. And you can't see Michael Ironsides without wanting him to say, Drevok! Um, is so good. So Scanners, uh, absolutely master of horror candidate. So you, you, that's three out of four. And as we've stated before, four out of five makes you a master of horror. What's his next movie? Videodrome. Videodrome is one of the best. I mean, it is the body horror movie. It is uh, still prescient. Um, it is like Videodrome is one of the best movies of the 20th century as far as I'm concerned. Because it it talks about things that we're still wrestling with culturally today. 
Um, so yeah. Um, oh, it's so good. Uh, let's see. Alan, Mc- Alan says he adapted the wrong, uh, Delilio book. Delilio book, uh, should have been Mal too. Um, yeah, I don't disagree with that, but also, you know, I, I, I'm kind of like whatever Dan- David Cronenberg, it's like Lynch, whatever David Cronenberg wants to do, let him do it. And, the chips fall where they may. Same thing with David Lynch. Do the the Davids, I call them. Uh, let David Lynch do what David Lynch do. And there's rumor that he's got a movie at Con, and he keeps saying that he doesn't. I don't have a movie, uh, he says. But he's kind of, it, it seems like he's been up to something. And whatever that something is, I can't wait to see. Um, Gary says, Nola's magic sack is still one of the only things that freaks me out. Uh, you know, that's that's the beauty of Cronenberg is that there is going to be some visual, some concept, some idea that no matter who you are, it's gonna it's gonna freak you out. Lee says, I honestly don't think scanners holds up that well and would give the brood over scanners in my rankings. I understand that it, like, hey, that's the beauty of the Master of Horror list is it's gotta be four out of five for your first five movies. And if you wanna include the brood and not scanners, I mean, I look, no no accounting for taste, but that still places him in Master of Horror territory. And then if you want to like cr- truck on from there, you're talking The Dead Zone, which is a, a wonderful, maybe the best Stephen King adaptation, a terrific movie. Um, the Fly, which is, you know, that is on everyone's list of like, hey, anytime somebody talks about making a bad remake, some jerk like me brings up the fly is like well you guys but the fly was your remake and that's awesome you know it's up there with the thing in terms of hey if you're gonna remake a movie this is how to do it or or the kaufman uh invasion of the body snatchers like those are the big three in my mind of if you're gonna remake a movie here here are the top three examples of doing that um then you've got dead ringers which is a bizarre movie but really wonderful Naked Lunch, which I know a lot of people aren't crazy about Naked Lunch, but I love it. Um, In Butterfly, I I also like a lot. Not horror. Crash, uh, not horror, but really interesting. Existence, which, eh, it's okay. It's all right. Um, But that's kind of it for, you know, that sci-fi horror that Cronenberg was known for. And then you get into stuff like Eastern Promises and... History of Violence and Dangerous Method. All of them fantastic movies, but, eh, you know, not horror movies. Um, But unassailably, David Cronenberg, master of horror. No question about it. Also, I think he would achieve that category uh, or that status just for his performance in Nightbreed. uh, When he plays Dr. Decker, you know. It's the thing that Duncan and I riff on all all the time. The, you know, he's got a gun. Um, it, it's fantastic. Uh, Gary saying I would put Chuck Russell's The Blob as a fourth on that remake list. Yeah, for sure. The Blob is fantastic. That that's a, a terrific remake. Um, Lee says he's uh unquestionably a master of horror, and unlike a lot of the other masters, his last twenty to thirty years has been interesting, if not good. I agree. I I again not horror movies, but the thing about Cronenberg, and I think it's the same thing for Lynch, and it's the reason why. Something like um, Lynch's, you know, third season of Twin Peaks is maybe the best Twin Peaks 
Uh, and, and certainly one of the best things that Lynch has ever done. Um, and I think it's because those are both directors that deal with ideas and concepts. It's not just cinematic style. And like with Scorsese, when you look at something like the Irishman, which I think is a good movie. I don't know that I think the Irishman is great. I think it's good. Um, but it's also the same thing that he's been doing since he started. Like you can see the through line from mean streets to the Irishman. Whereas with Cronenberg, you know, he starts ironically with a movie like crimes of the future, you know, a student film essentially, um, which is this, you know, high concept sci-fi story. And then gets into things like, you know, Shivers and Rabid, which is very much about sex and sexual politics and, you know, feminism and the feminist movement. And, and it's playing with ideas, right? And you can see as he goes through his career that he's playing with different ideas. It's not just him telling a mob story over and over again to differing success. It's him telling stories about kind of what's on his mind and Lynch is the same way. Um, I, in a lot of ways, I think that that season three of Twin Peaks is Lynch putting a button on a lot of the themes that he's been tinkering with over the entire course of his career. Really fascinating. I, I love, 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 love uh, that third season of, of Twin Peaks. Um but yeah, the, all of that I think is really, really interesting. And I think that's why to, to your point, Lee, um, that you, those guys are more successful, you know, like Jarmusch, I think is one of those guys that is kind of continually interesting. Even if you don't like the dead, don't die, uh, or only lovers left alive or whatever, those still feel like they're no better or worse than any Jarmish film. They're just a different Jarmish film. Um, as opposed to, you know, I feel like Spielberg has really lost a step. The, the person I was talking with, uh, Chad and I, who I do pick six movies with, we're talking about Robert Zemeckis, who in the eighties had that amazing run of doing, you know, uh, the back to the future movies and, um, you know, wrote a lot of terrific, terrific films. um, and then he seemed to have kind of hit that wall where he just couldn't make a good movie. And a lot of that because I think maybe he was obsessed with the technology of filmmaking more so than the storytelling aspect of filmmaking. But, um, yeah, I don't know um, that he... But it, it's interesting that somebody that was kind of Hollywood royalty, like Zemeckis was for a while... Um, just, it has completely fallen off the map. And even somebody like Steven Spielberg, who, you know, was nominated for best picture this year with West Side Story, but it was a movie nobody really saw, uh, or really wanted to see. I mean, it's a, like, I understand that the craft that he brings to filmmaking is of the highest order. Like Steven Spielberg is not a bad filmmaker and I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm just suggesting that maybe he's not making the kind of movies that, you know, are interesting to a wide audience. Not that Cronenberg is like, yes, we're all excited about seeing crimes of the future, but you know, a mainstream audience, eh, maybe not so much, but, um, it, it's interesting. I, I think there is something to 
why is it that directors in their golden years of filmmaking, why do some continue to achieve? Uh, but that seems to be the, the exception and not the rule that in most cases, you know, it seems like directors kind of shoot their load early and either are riffing on what they've done throughout the rest of their career or they're, you know, uh, recycling their material to the point that be, they almost become self-parody. Um, I would say the one, an interesting example of the exception and not the rule is somebody like Sam Peckinpah who made these, you know, like super violent movies throughout the seventies and seemed to be in, you know, having a cinematic conversation at the end of his career about whether violence in movies was right or wrong, even though he had been a perpetrator of it. Anyway, it, I think Peckinpah is interesting, but yeah. Um, anyway, but it's a good point, Lee. Uh, Jason says he's got a soft spot for existence, even if it's just Videodrome's ugly cousin. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I, I like it more than I should. I also like Jennifer Jason Lee a lot. And there's something about the idea of a video game being part of you. You know, I, there's something about that I like, but it doesn't hang together. Like, like Videodrome gets surreal and really trippy at the end, but existence gets kind of up its own ass a little bit about like, what is the game? What is not the game? And, and I, I didn't love it, but I do kind of have a soft spot for it. Um, Alan says I did an AV presentation on dead ringers in high school. What was that presentation like? And, and how did your parents enjoy that trip to the, the office? Like, well, here are all the tools used in dead ringers. I I've created, two scale models of all the, the horrific gynecological torture utensils used in this movie. Um, Lee says loved only lovers, uh, left alive and dead don't die was a misstep, but he is another who does interesting things every time, even if they don't succeed. Uh, talk about Jarmish. Yeah. Jim Jarmish is like, he's a true artist. And I think that's the difference, right? Is, you know, um, Cronenberg is an artist. David Lynch is an artist. They are, you know, Cronenberg is a much more clinical kind of artist. Like he is, he, he is a dude who is constantly playing in his own head. Whereas Lynch is much more visceral and stream of consciousness and, you know, is a big believer that, Hey, not everything has to make sense. Some of the mystery of the subconscious is what makes art great. Um, uh, and Cronenberg is like, no, 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 fuck that. We have to really analyze this and, and think about this and put it in a way that, that we can, you know, sort of catalog the idea and so forth. And, uh, it's one of the reasons I like David Lynch and David Cronenberg are, you could do a wonderful academic paper about the two different approaches to cinema they have and how they're both effective, but almost diametrically opposite, but in a lot of ways, strikingly similar. Um, let's see new West side story. Uh, Gary mentions. Yeah, I, I just, I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the original West side story. It's just not, I'm not a musical guy. Uh, it's on my list. It's like, I know I should see it at some point. And if I ever end up dating somebody that is a fan of West side story, I'm sure I will. Cause you know, uh, usually my rule when I'm dating someone is like, okay, you got to watch some stupid movie I want to watch. And I'll watch something that you think I ought to see. And that's how I've seen things like The Outsiders and The Notebook. Um, 
But uh, And then Lee says, then you look at Romero, who had to go to Canada to make compromised and behind-the-times retreads of his classic zombie movies. Yeah, you know, like even, even Land of the Dead, or Survival of the Dead, rather, it, it like he just wants to make a western and he can't make a western unless it's a zombie western so he has to shoehorn that in yeah that's a real shame george romero was done wrong um but on you know much like john carpenter was kind of done wrong uh carpenter you know had that incredible run of movies and then you know just couldn't get studio funding and get real frustrated with the studio system and, and how his movies were edited and controlled and, uh, always, you know, he's, he's famous for saying like all he wanted to do were Westerns and that a lot of his movies, like you look at, um, assault on precinct 13, assault on precinct 13 is a Western. Um, it's just in different trappings. Ghosts of Mars is a Western. It's just in different trappings. um, yeah, and there are a number of directors that fall into that category that, you know, given world enough and time would have been super interesting. But but we also got, you know, just recently we got the amusement park out of Romero or, you know, the restored version of that. And that's another example of like, man, he was a really fascinating filmmaker in that era when he was doing that and Martin and Season of the Witch and that kind of thing. Just terrific. Just terrific. George Romero should have been a bigger deal. Um, and he, I mean, he still is, and he's revered in horror circles. And I think among even just people who like cinema, and I'm kind of putting like a capital C on cinema that, uh, people who are, are sort of cinephiles, I think Romero gets a lot more respect than he did even in his lifetime, even though it hasn't been that long ago that he passed, but, um, yeah, Romero's terrific. And, and it is sad that at the end of his career, he could only do living dead movies because th those were the least interesting things that he was kind of doing. Like not the living dead, dawn of the dead, less so day of the dead. Day of the dead is a fascinating movie, but it's not a great movie like night and dawn are, I would argue um, in terms of the ideas behind them because it was compromised. You know, a lot of, a lot of day of the dead couldn't happen the way that he envisioned it. And I think it, it felt compromised. But then you look at, you know, again, Amusement Park, Martin, Season of the Witch, the stuff that he was doing sort of uh, contemporaneously with the, with those other movies, he should have been allowed to make more movies like that. Um, let's see. Andrew says, Spielberg is making what he wants. He has that cloud. If he wants to remake a musical, he'll remake a musical. I, I mean, I don't disagree. Spielberg can do whatever the hell he wants. I just don't know that it necessarily resonates the way certainly not like ET or something, but I, you know, the audience wasn't there for West side story. Um, you know, but he also made ready player one and people responded to that. Like that was a, a commercially successful movie. I think it's terrible. I, th I think ready player one is maybe the worst Spielberg movie, but people really liked it. Um, uh, let's see. Jason says, I wonder if it's because Cronenberg and Lynch started off weird and indie and have just kind of kept doing their own thing. That's a lot of it, right? It's just like, Hey, they started off being auteurs and they stayed auteurs. I think John Waters is in that category and you know, he's, he does weird shit and he's going to continue to do weird shit until he dies. I think it's great. Um, and Lee says, uh, Sam Peckinpah burned himself out with, uh, of his stride with the booze and the anger. 
I think he still had great movies in him if he could stop burning bridges and his own liver. Yeah, yeah. Peckinpah is a fascinating guy. I mean, he doesn't... he He's not a horror director, but a lot of his movies have really dark themes and sit alongside horror the way that, like, film noir sits alongside horror in some ways. Um, yeah, Peckinpah's a fascinating character. Uh, Almodovar, still kicking, Alan says, yeah, Pedro Almodovar, absolutely doing his own thing. I, I haven't watched a lot of the later stuff, but, you know, the skin I live in is not that old, and the skin I live in rocks. Um, Gary says that Paul Verhoeven thing with the nuns isn't traditionally something I wouldn't like, but people are raving about it. Uh, he's like 90 and still doing his thing. Yeah, Verhoeven's really interesting also. Um... Yeah, he he's one of those directors that I think has gained some clout over the years. I haven't watched was Benedetta. I haven't watched that either, but it's it, uh, it's on a short list of of stuff to watch. Um, Lisa's Carpenter gets to smile all the way to the bank now. At least, yeah, I think I've told this story before uh, on on Sinister Sundays before, and I love. The Carpenter quote, uh, I think they quote this a lot on Red Letter Media as well, but it's the, you know, Carpenter, anytime somebody wants to remake his movies, uh, he says, I think it's great because all I do is I say yes and I hold out my hand and a check falls into it. And yeah, let I, let that man do nothing but play uh, Destiny and watch basketball and chain smoke and go on tour to play his synth music and but yeah i mean that guy has nothing left to prove i would love it if he did one more movie just for the love of the game but if he doesn't that's fine too i don't you know i'm he shouldn't do it to do it he should do it because he's like i you know i'm going to use the clout that i have and the kind of late year respect in the industry that he has like it feels like he could go to blumhouse or something I would think, in my mind at least, he could go to Blumhouse and, and say, hey, I want $20 million to do a final John Carpenter movie, and they should just give it to him. Um, let's see. Uh, Alan says, I have a soft spot for Bruiser. That reads differently today. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a weird movie. That's certainly offbeat. Um Gary says Day of the Dead has some of the finest zombie violence ever filmed. No question about it. But also, you know, in terms of what the movie is about, like Night of the Living Dead is very much about, you know, uh, Vietnam and the cultural revolution of the 60s and and um, inadvertently, you know, famously inadvertently about uh, race in America. Dawn of the Dead is very much about commercialism and and where the country was headed. Uh, in it, in its pursuit of, uh, stuff and day of the dead has interesting ideas about science versus government versus faith and none of that ever feels fully resolved. Um, it just, it, it feels a little half baked, which is, and I like day of the dead a lot. I, I think it's one of the, I mean, of the original trilogy, it it's maybe the most watchable because it it, it is it, like it it's not very long and it trucks and all of that kind of thing in, in terms of pacing and it, and the gore is amazing 
Um, but I, I don't find it as satisfying as night or dawn, uh, for, you know, the intellectual side of it, I suppose. Um, <laughs> Peter quite said people like for ready player one. I, that's what I'm led to believe. It made a lot of money. It made a lot of money. Um, Gary says, Albert Pion's, uh, arcade is better than ready, ready player one. I, it's been a long time since I watched Arcade, but I really, really don't like Ready Player One at such a fundamental level. It's hard to imagine that I would like Arcade less. Um, it all goes back to Emilio Estevez and Gear and uh, the Bishop of Battle, one of my favorite anthology stories. I think that was what Nightmares was the name of that anthology film. Uh, yeah, the Bishop of Battle with Emilio Estevez is great. Uh, it, that Nightmares is a great anthology film. Um, Lee says Blumhouse would sacrifice all of its executives firstborn on a blood altar for Carpenter's last film. You would think so. You would think that Jason Blum, if he has any sense in his head, has already made that phone call to Carpenter saying, I don't give a shit how good or bad the ward was. If you want to make a movie that is written and directed by John Carpenter with music by John Carpenter. Um, then here is a check for 20 to $40 million. Make whatever the fuck you want. You have final cut and we'll put it out. Um, that would be the way to play that. And, you know, maybe that would lure him out of retirement. Maybe not. He seems to be having a good time. As long as John Carpenter is happy, I'm happy. I don't care what he's doing. Um, if he wants to just play video games, I, like, I, I don't know if you guys, are familiar with the video game website, uh, giantbomb.com. But uh, for a number of years, I don't think he did last year, but for a number of years, he would do his top video games of the year on that website. And it was always shit that was, maybe it came out that year, maybe it didn't. It's just whatever he ran into and was excited to talk about. It was always like, hey, I really love the most recent like NBA 2k game i also have been playing destiny it's it's great i god i love i love john carpenter so much it is gonna break my heart when he goes and it's given the way he smokes it's a, just a matter of time a guy's gonna have a stroke or something within the next 10 years um alan says john carpenter's fantasy island too man i would love to see what he did with that idea um and Lee also talking about nightmares and how good that is, uh, and that that should be uh, covered on. They might they must be destroyed on site soon. Um, yeah, yeah. I haven't done anthologies for the Dark Parade. There'll be I've been like carving up recently. Uh, every month is kind of a new a new theme, and you know, like this month has been eighty slashers. Next month is going to be horror on and under the sea. Um, June is all going to be universal monsters. August, I, I'm pretty sure August is going to be dogs in horror uh, because of the dog days of summer. Um, so, I, yeah, but anthologies, anthologies may happen November, December. That sounds like something that'd be fun to do. And if you don't get to it by then, Lee, we'll, uh, we'll join forces on that one. Um, Andrew says, why isn't Carpenter on Twitch? I like the fact that John Carpenter is just like, you know what? 
I just play because I enjoy the game. And I'm not trying to show off to anybody. I'm not going to, I'm not worried about what people are saying in chat. None of that. I just smoke my cigarettes, probably have a drink or two, maybe get a little blazed and, and play video games. And, oh, it's so good. Uh, Jason also saying he's had nightmares sitting next to him for literal years. Uh, Gary saying man's best friend, uh, and Alan saying bring on the dogs. Devil Dog Hound of Hell, absolutely going to be on that list. Dracula's Dog, maybe on that list. I maybe Cujo, but that's kind of low on the list because I don't. I I feel like what do you say about Cujo that hasn't been said? But you know, Dracula's Dog and Devil Dog Hound of Hell. I feel like uh, uh, there there is room to say something that has not been said. Uh, Frankenweenie is not a bad idea. I am just not the biggest Tim Burton fan. Like I like Tim Burton, but also I, I my my relationship with him is conflicted. Like I I really love Beetlejuice. I'm not crazy about Nightmare Before Christmas the way a lot of people are. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe. Uh, hold on. I'll tell you what I've got on the list thus far. I've got it right here. Uh, let me, let me pull it up real quick. Um, my, the, the old dark parade spreadsheet. Um, oh, uh, Baxter and I think the breed are going to be rounding out that season. Baxter's, uh, that British film and, and the breed is a bit of a B movie, but I, I believe that Michelle Rodriguez is in that. Um, no Fido Fido's not really, a um, you know. Uh, 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 a dog movie. That's a, a zombie movie, right? The, the one with Billy Connolly, right? Um, not Billy Connolly. Um, is it Billy? Con- yeah, it's Billy Connolly. Um, so yeah, that that's currently what's on the list, but that's August. Like I'm, you know, that's down the road that all kinds of stuff could change between now and when that list becomes real. Uh, Alan says, I like the idea of Burton more than the reality. I think that's how I feel about it too. A lot of, a lot of his aesthetic feels like an affectation as opposed to a natural extension of who he is. Like John Waters movies are John Waters movies because John Waters has a very specific idea of what he, he finds entertaining. And I don't know that Tim Burton is like that. Um, so I think it's more like, you know, he does have this kind of goth aesthetic, but I think, it, I think it's skin deep. I don't know that, you know, like, yeah, he loves Vincent Price and he likes Victorian houses and stuff like that. But, you know, so what? Uh, lots of people do. And he also made Planet of the Apes and that movie is terrible. And I, I vaguely still resent him for making Planet of the Apes. Um, it, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little, a little bit of a grump when it comes to, uh, to that. Um, all right. All right. All right. Anyway, um, well, what other news do we have? Oh, here's something exciting. So that movie, um, the sadness is coming to uh shutter and shutter has been, um, you know, real hit and miss of late, but that's kind of how it should be, I suppose. Like not, 
it's it's the bell curve of movies, right? There are a handful of really good movies, a handful of just god awful pieces of shit, and in the middle is the majority of movies that are so so. And uh, Shutter has been doing some interesting work, like uh, the the Spine of Night. I think is a really interesting pickup. Um, <laughs> hold on, Lee. To go back to the Burton and uh, John Waters comparison. Lisa's Burton has a mode, whereas Waters is uh, a mode. Um, yeah, yeah. Like Burton can assume the goth aesthetic, and Waters cannot not be who he is. Like what John Waters can only make John Waters movies, and Tim Burton can make Alice Through the Looking Glass or whatever. Um, that he is not not that the auteur that. Uh, John Waters is although I do like I you know he, he's got a good aesthetic Tim Burton has a nice aesthetic I like I like the 89 Batman I like Beetlejuice um you know I, uh, I, I like Big Fish quite a bit I think Ed Wood is a masterpiece I don't know that there is another director that could have done Ed Wood the way that Tim Burton did so um you know I don't think Burton is like a you know a no talent hack or anything like that it's just that he doesn't have, you know, when he has a connection to a movie like Ed Wood, he can be a genius. And when he doesn't have a connection to the material like Planet of the Apes, he makes Planet of the Apes. And um, a director like Cronenberg or John Waters or David Lynch or Jim Jarmusch, like those are those are directors and creators that can't, they, like you would never hire them to do Alice Through the Looking Glass because they would make... John Waters, Alice through the looking glass, and it would be audacious and vile and filled with drag queens and it would be amazing, but it would not be a big hit. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, anyway, but, uh, about the sadness, however, uh, I'm very, very excited to see this. It's been on my, my list for a while of, of movies to kind of keep an eye on. It's supposed to be a, just a, a completely, like garish splatter zombie movie. And, eh, you know, that's near and dear to my heart. Like that gets back to the, you know, the, my love of Aguchi and Nishimura and, and those guys, uh, who make the Japanese splatter films. And this is not Japanese. Um, I believe it is Indonesian or Thai. um, Hold on, let me pull up uh, the list here. Um, maybe it's Hong. No, it's Taiwan is where it's from. Um, uh, although it was it was made by uh, a guy from Ontario is the director of it. But anyway, Thai zombie movie supposed to be just incredibly gruesome, uh, and that'll be landing on Shutter uh, next month, like in less than a month. I think May fifteenth is when it's hitting. Um, I'm very, very excited about that. I think that is, sounds like a terrific movie, um, or at, at the very least, interesting. Because lately, I, you know, this is going to get into our our wrap up discussion, which we will hit here in a few minutes. But I like a good zombie movie. And one of the good things about doing a show like this on Easter is that we can talk about zombie movies because we can kind of tongue in cheek talk about Jesus being the original zombie. Um, and I'm, I'm 
excited at the thought of another zombie movie that can kind of get me excited about the genre. Cause most of the zombie movies recently that I've been really excited by aren't really zombie movies. Um, like one cut of the dead is a zombie movie kind of, but it's more about filmmaking. I mean, I love one cut of the dead. I think it's a terrific movie. Um, but it's not per se a zombie movie or something like zombie for sale, which is not really a zombie movie in the traditional sense, but it's a, a really fun and, and, and cute film. Um, so I liked it, but it's not, it, it's not like a zombie horror movie the way that, uh, you know, Night of the Living Dead or Dawn of the Dead or Day of the Dead is. And, uh, Alan, the sadness is not by Aaron Martin. Just shut your mouth. Uh, <laughs> it is, it is by a guy, uh, hold on. I'll tell you what his name is. Um, Rob Jabaz, J-A-B-B-A-Z, who is from Mississauga, Ontario, but uh, now lives in Taipei, Taiwan, and um, that is uh, that is the director of, of The Sadness. And um, anyway, considered uh, to be one of the more outrageous and transgressive uh zombie movies of recent past and that's got me excited i like the idea of you know a zombie movie going balls out um gary says anna and the apocalypse and scout's guide to the zombie apocalypse are on my feel-good list ain't it well anna and the apocalypse i don't know if i put it on my feel-good list that's a bummer of a movie uh at the end of it but it's uh yeah that was that was good scouts got into the zombie apocalypse is maybe i but again that's a zombie comedy like both of those are and even when they you know double as horror movies they get into horror movie territory for sure but i want like a zombie horror movie one that is not like hey we're gonna do a zombie horror comedy or it's going to be like, we're going to use those trappings, but we're telling this other story, really. Um, not to say that there can't be subtext. I mean, that's what made the Romero movie so good is the subtext. But um, but I want a movie like that where it's just like a grim, like, get-in-your-face kind of zombie movie. And it, it, there hasn't been one of those in, in some time. So I don't know that The Sadness is going to be a great movie, but my hopes are up for it. And I'm I'm interested to uh to to see the sadness in a way that I have not been interested in a zombie movie for some time. So, and that's probably getting my hopes up, right? Is like I I'm already I'm I'm wanting the movie to be better than it probably is going to be, but eh, you know, I'd I'd rather I'd rather hope and be disappointed than not hope at all. Um Okay, so one other movie I want to talk about, and then we'll talk about the the top ten zombie movies. Um, Train of Busan and The Battery, both fantastic, yes. Train of Busan is the closest to the kind of movie that I want. Um, but, uh, and less so, I think, The Battery. The Battery is a movie 
as much as I love it, it's not much of a zombie movie. It's more of a relationship movie. And I love it for that. I, the battery is near and dear to my heart. Like that was a movie that I was, I was promoting hard, uh, not to sound hipster about it, but I was going hard on the battery well before a lot of people had ever seen it. Um, and I, I love that movie. I love that movie so much. Uh, Jeremy Gardner should not be working a part-time job to make ends meet. He should be working in film full time. The fact that he's not is a tragedy. Um, the other piece of news I want to cover before we get into um, zombies, the top 10 zombie movies, um, is a movie called We're All Going to the World's Fair. I talked about this a little bit uh, yesterday on uh, Duncan and Bo slash fiction slash Duncan and Bo come correct. Um, there is, all right, so Jane Schoenbrunn is the director. <clears throat> pardon me um it it l- premiered i think at sundance and it's being labeled as a horror movie i don't know that that is entirely accurate but we're all going to the world's fair is uh the the basic plot of it is there's a young girl played by a, a new actor named anna rob um the whole thing kind of takes place w- via her webcam where she is, um, you know, basically falls into uh, what's called the world's fair challenge, which is you say, we're all going to the world's fair three times. You have cut yourself. And then that invites into you this malevolent power and it can transform you mentally and physically and, and so forth. And the movie, uh, is about this young girl who is, I mean, she's high school age ish, middle school, high school. And, um, it's just about the relationship of not just young girls, but, but people in general online and their online personas and, um, the dangers of that, the, the fact that there is an unreality uh, created by being online and it is, uh, a tremendous movie. Um, it's one of those movies that when I finished it, I was like, well, okay, that, that was fine. And then it has just lingered with me and like, it is festered inside me like an infection. And I, I really have grown to appreciate what that movie is saying. And I like, I have my own feelings about social media. I think social media is terrible. I think it is, um, what it does, like the studies about what social media does to, uh, especially teen girls and people who are in minorities of, of various stripes, whatever that minority may be, that the effect that social media uh, can have on them and their self-perception and things like that. I mean, it's just a nightmare, you know, like social media, like, you know, we, as a species, we were never meant to be, um, fully connected to one another in this way. Like that supersedes our evolution by, you know, a factor of 10 or more. We're not, we're not psychologically set up to deal with, with that kind of thing. And so it does some weird shit to us. 
And so we're all going to the world's fair kind of examines that of like what for someone who is emotionally vulnerable, who's psychologically vulnerable, what does this online horror game ritual, whatever you want to call it, what does that give them the excuse to do? And, you know, and it's not like, I don't want to pose it like, Oh, and then she goes crazy and then kills her family. It's not like that. This is all a very like subdued kind of thing. It's much more, uh, much more subtle and much more real. Um, and, but it's also horrifying, uh, because of how the character ends up and it's, just a, a like a really dark and and very very good movie um and i don't want to say too much more about it because it's a movie that i, I don't want to spoil for anybody it, like it's it's a short 90 minute watch not even 90 minutes and there are going to be plenty of people that bounce right off of it and are like this movie's boring as fuck nothing happens um, and then I think there are a lot of people like myself that spend a lot of time, probably more time than they ought to, um, thinking about things like what is the effect of social media on our lives? And, you know, like I don't, uh, you know, I have my Facebook group, uh, for dark parade that I interact with and occasionally I'll throw something on Twitter and that's it. That's as far as I go with social media, I, you know, I, I invite you to look at my timeline every now and again, I will repost a funny picture that I find that is it. Like I don't share personal stuff online very often at all. Um, not because I, you know, I, I have anything against the idea. It's just not who I am. It's like, I'm, I'm a fairly private person. Um, and, and more than that, you know, <laughs> to, to kind of get to, uh, a, a recent example of this, you know, like if you remember at the end of that Avengers movie, when they're asking Captain America about like, Hey, what was it like to, you know, have this life with Peggy Carter? And he's like, no, no, I'm not going to talk about that. And that's kind of how I feel about, you know, personal and private life is that it's mostly a personal and private life. I'll share some stuff, uh, in, in situations like this that I find interesting or funny, but that's kind of, that's kind of the limit of it. And you know, because in my mind, the real life happens outside of the internet, you know, like the stuff that I do as far as like, you know, charity work and the time that I spend with friends hanging out on their, you know, on, on their back porch, having a drink and talking and stuff like that. Like that is, that is real life. The stuff that I do online. And that's not to say like, you know, I, I feel like I've, I've cultivated, I, you know, knock on wood. And, um, but I feel like with dark parade and the stuff that we do here, that that kind of cultivates a, a discussion about movies and that kind of thing that I find really valuable and it's really positive and nobody's bitching about anything. And hopefully everything is taken in the right spirit and nobody comes away from these conversations feeling worse about themselves. Like the one thing that I want more than anything that I do is to leave a positive impact. And even on Dark Parade, when we talk about bad movies, I always try to avoid just shitting on a movie because that's not the footprint I want to leave. Um, and it's not the vibe that I, I, I embrace, you know, I, I believe in positivity. And, um, but I also know that's not the rule, you know, I feel like that's the exception. Like, 
having this conversation with you guys is a really fun time and nobody's, you know, nobody's being insulting, nobody's being angry, that kind of thing. But I don't know that that's the case. Like nobody here is going to flame anybody else. Um, and that, that does my heart good. But also if we were big enough, you know, if instead of, you know, uh, 10 people watching this right now, there were a thousand, somebody would be saying or doing something real fucked up. And, um, I, that's really unfortunate, but anyway, that is all to say you should absolutely see where we're all going to the world's fair. I think it has something interesting to say about the world we are creating for ourselves online and, and how that can affect us deeply. So, uh, definitely check it out. Um, Gary saying the world's fair conversation has inspired some stunt directing for a remake. Mike Flanagan, something wicked this way comes. Um, I would love to see Mike Flanagan do something wicked this way comes. So something wicked this way comes is one of my favorite, like semi under the radar horror movies. It's not great. And especially because it's a Disney film, it, it, there is a, a somewhat toothless quality to it. Um, but it is really creepy. And Jonathan price is one of the great horror villains in that movie. Um, Lee says, it sounds interesting. Maybe some shades of cam in it. Yeah, but cam is even more like supernatural. I would argue like the whole doppelganger thing, because you can argue that there is absolutely no supernatural element of we're all going to the world's fair at all, that it is more drama than horror film. That's the way I tend to perceive it. Um, but it's, but there is something about it. Yes. In terms of, you know, what cam has to say about, how women are expected to behave online and the persona that they put online, you know, in, in portraying themselves, uh, to the public, uh, cam is a really, like, I don't think that's an entirely successful movie, but cam, I think is super fascinating because it's a glimpse into a world. I know nothing about. And based on the fact that it was written, if not directed, written at least by, um, a woman who worked in that industry, I find it super interesting. Uh, pizza, share more doggy photos, please. I don't know where Johnson is right now. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's laying on the bed. We get, we'll get a live shot. Um, <laughs> Jason says a world's fair amusement park, double feature. That would be incredibly depressing. That would be like, okay, well, it turns out being online sucks. Oh, and also getting old sucks. The two things that you are just bound to, to have happened to you these days. Um, yeah, that would be a bummer. Um, all right, all right, all right, all right. So let's wrap things up in a slightly more positive tone, but I do want to recommend that movie, even though it is, it is kind of a bummer of a movie. It's still very good. Um, okay. So let's talk about what IMDB, um, um, oh, Lee says, uh, he fought for Cam being in the summer series as part of the conversation, if not a top pick. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, it's, it is definitely worth the conversation. I don't know if mm, you hit me on the right day and I would probably be there with you being like, this movie needs to, I'd, I'd have, I'd have, what were the the top movies that year? You know, like there are some things you just can't, especially once you're getting into the 2010s, there's like just these bangers every year where you're like, God damn, hereditary is amazing. Oh my God. 
The Witch is incredible. How do you not have this at the top of your list? Um, anyway, uh, so here are the top 10 zombie movies, according to IMDb. And we will, uh, we will gauge the relative success of this list and we'll start at number 10, which is, uh, the dead, which is, uh, directed by Howard and Jonathan Ford, AKA the Ford brothers, uh, which was the zombie movie set in, uh, Africa. And I would argue this is not a top 10 zombie movie. Um, it is good though. It is and it. It's creepy more than it is, uh, outright scary, but there was something like in particular, I remember the shot of that kind of, you know, glazed eyed zombie slowly turning as the, the Jeep is driving at night. And there is something so forlorn. One, here's what I like in a, a zombie movie. I like when you show like just the how shitty it would be to be a zombie. You know that just motion and light is enough to distract your rotten ass brain to go towards it. That there's no intelligence. It's just this instinct. And I will also say I like a slow zombie more than a fast zombie. So because fast zombies don't like the science of that doesn't work as much as I love train to Busan, which is more of a virus kind of thing, but you know, you can make an argument that they're, they're fast because they're still recently dead. But, um, I like a slow zombie more than a fast zombie and the dead has that right. And there's also the, there's a, a moment in the dead where like they're on the radio and you realize like, Oh shit across the world is fucked. And I like that too. I, I like feeling like, oh, this isn't just here. The whole world is going down the toilet fast. So the dead is good. I agree with Lee. Pretty good. Not top 10. Kind of goes nowhere. Also agree with that. Uh, but yeah, not, not the worst zombie movie you're ever going to see. Um, number nine on this list is The Horde, which is a, uh, a French zombie movie from 2009. And this is one that I don't think really belongs on the top 10 list either. <coughs> Excuse me. It is another one that's good. Also dealing with uh, fast zombies here, which as I pointed out, I don't appreciate that. Um, I do like the fact that it is, um, it's kind of a crime story up until it's not. And that part of it, I kind of dug. But I don't, it's just not top 10 material. It's an entertaining enough movie. Doesn't have memorable characters or anything. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it th this is not going to be uh, a top 10 movie for us. If we were making our own list, uh, we would not, we would not be uh, uh, counting this one. Um. Alan saying that, uh, he detects some recency bias. Maybe so. Maybe so. I'll tell you the, the other thing about the horde that I don't think is great is, um, aside from the fact that there aren't memorable characters, um, that like nothing that happens in the movie it feels like it has any weight beyond 
the characters themselves. Like I was saying in, uh, in the dead, like the fact that it's happening all over the world is kind of great. And you don't quite get that sensation in the horde. Um, okay. Number eight on this list is, uh, planet terror. And this is another one. I don't think belongs on a list of the top 10 zombie movies. Planet terror is a fun grindhouse film. It is silly. It's over the top. It, it is a fun watch, but top 10 zombie movie. Mm, I don't think so. Any movie that features a gargantuan Quentin Tarantino penis, I I I am not into. Um, it's fine. It's fine. Planet Terror is totally fine. It is not the best part of uh, Grindhouse. It is certainly not a top ten uh, uh, zombie movie. So let's move to number seven on our list. Which, now we get into some real debate. This may be true. So, number seven on the list is Wreck. Uh, which, of course, is the 2007 uh, Juame Barreguero, Paco Plaza film. Um, the One of the... Uh, I mean, in the top five found footage movies of all time. Um, it, you know... Is it a possession movie? Is it a zombie movie? Is it a zombie possession movie? Um, uh, it's tough. If I were making this list, I don't know that Wreck ends up on a top 10 zombie movie list. But also, I'm not going to complain too much about it being there. Because Wreck is incredible. Wreck is still one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Um... Uh, you know, if I were putting together that list, the the top ten scariest movies ever, Wreck makes that list. I, I, the first time I saw Wreck, I did it right. It was like lights off, watching it from, uh, watching it from the couch, just me and the TV and Wreck. A, a movie, by the way, I had to buy from a UK video store so I could get the movie imported into the United States because it was not available in the U S and I'd heard so much about it. I was like, well, I got to see this movie. If it, if they say it's scary, I, I like scary things and I'm not scared very often. Um, so yeah, Lee, yeah. Lee is saying that it's more of a demonic virus than a possession film. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And they're kind of zombie. I mean, they're the living dead. So I don't disagree with that, but yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It, that's a real hybrid situation. Not going to complain too much about it because Wreck is awesome. Um, okay, so let's get to number six, which is uh, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Um, okay, so I don't disagree with it. Zack Snyder uh, has not made a lot of movies I really like. That is one of them. Um, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Lee says, if traditional zombies can come from black magic, then Wreck works fine with me. I'll go with that. But all right, so Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Um, not crazy about fast zombies. Not crazy about Zack Snyder overall. But um, 
it is a good remake of Dawn of the Dead. It's not as smart as Dawn of the Dead, the original Dawn of the Dead, but it's fun. It's exciting. It's a good action movie. It's a good action horror movie. And it's hard. It's hard to put it on a top 10 list. I agree with that, Lee, but uh, I'm not going to complain too much. Um, yeah, the original is, is far, 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 far superior. Uh, but I will say when I saw Dawn of the Dead in the theaters, I went into that expecting nothing and came away from it really enjoying it. So, um, I'm not totally against it appearing on the list, especially in the bottom five. We've got bigger, bigger fish to fry ahead of us, ladies and gentlemen. Um, number five, 28 weeks later, which is the sequel to 28, like 28 days later, I can see the argument for 28 weeks later, 28 weeks later. Uh, no, 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 no. Um, at least saying Dawn of the Dead is nicely grim, at least totally agree. Uh, we're just going to, I, we don't need to talk more about 28 weeks later other than to say no, 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 no. It does not belong on this list. Um, it is not as good as 28 days later. If 28 days later ain't on this list, 28 weeks later can suck it. Number four is dead alive. Uh, which maybe, I mean, it's more of a zombie comedy. But it's outrageous, and it is one of those movies that when you saw it, you were like, who directed this? Peter Jackson? Okay, I'm going to watch more things that he does. Um, because Peter Jackson is a guy who, uh, at the very least, is, uh, it, 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 like, he's an auteur. That, that's another one. Like, I, I don't go for everything Peter Jackson does. But Peter Jackson makes movies that Peter ja Jackson likes. And uh, Dead Alive, it's a real fun movie, man. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget how I reacted to the priest saying, I kick ass for the Lord. Oh my God, I laughed so hard. And the whole end of that movie with the lawnmower is so good. It might be... I don't know that I would have put it on my personal top 10 list, but I don't mind it being on a top 10 list. Um, then number, all right. So then we get into the top three here, which is uh, two of these, I think are, are way out of way out of line. Number three, world war Z world war Z is among the most disappointing movies I've ever seen in my life. I love the book World War Z. I love it. It is everything I like about zombie fiction and zombie movies and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> Lee saying I like Dead Alive, but it's a, the fact that it's a zombie movie is kind of secondary. They could have been pretty much anything. Totally agree with that. I'm not not disagreeing with that even a little bit, uh, but I still really like it. Um, but yeah, so um, World War Z. I went into that movie knowing, knowing like this isn't going to be as good as the book. The book is a very, 
a, a very unique bird in that it is a series of interviews with people all over the world covering the this zombie apocalypse that was subverted in every conceivable way from here are the logistics of supplies during a, a zombie apocalypse here's how the military responded here's how that worked here's how it didn't work here's how the average person dealt with it here's how scientists dealt with it here's how different countries dealt with it it's just so big and sprawling that there's no way you can wrap all that up into a movie but what they did with the movie was make it just a bunch of garbage CGI zombies and Brad Pitt going from one place to another trying to find a cure. And it sucked. World War Z sucks. It is a shitty, shitty movie. And again, there are people who will stand by that movie, but it gets... I it, What pisses me off is when someone adapts something that I really like and they fuck it up like World War Z did. And it means that you can't remake it for a while. It's like that IP is dead for a bit. And so the World War Z that we should get is at the very least delayed because of the existence of this awful World War Z that exists. Um, hopefully one day that like HBO or somebody will say like, hey, we're going to do a limited series that's going to be like 10 episodes and it's going to more closely follow the book where it's the, you know, these like concurrent stories of different people. Like there's a way to dramatize that and still get across all the sort of nerdy little details that makes World War Z so amazing. But the movie sucks. The movie, uh, that movie, I hate it so much. I hate it, hate it, hate it. Um, then number two on this list of the top 10 zombie movies is uh, Day of the Dead, which we talked about earlier. I think it is the least of the or- the trilogy, the original Romero trilogy. I think it's good. I think if you're going to put it on this list, it's bottom five. I don't think it's top two. Um, but it's fine. It, like it, It's a good movie. It's a good zombie movie because George Romero knew how to make those movies by that point. And, um, you know, it's just not... I don't think it belongs on this list this high. Uh, I do think that it's in the conversation for the one of the top 10 zombie movies ever, just not nearly this high. Um, Andrew says, HBO was already doing The Last of Us series. Uh, yeah, that's right. They are doing The Last of Us. And I think that could be really good, but that's not World War Z. That's not... Like, the thing... I, I just listened to the audiobook of World War Z again recently. Because I've read the book and I've listened to the audiobook a couple of times at this point. Because uh, the voice cast is crazy good. Uh, Mark Hamill does the voice of the United States military dude who recounts the Battle of Yonkers. As well as like, here, here is sort of the American-U.S. response, uh, military response to the zombie outbreak. And he's so good. He's just so grizzled and wonderful. Um, but it's fantastic. Uh, F Murray Abraham's in it. Mel, uh, uh, Rob Reiner is like the vice president. It's so good. The, if you haven't listened to the audiobook of world war Z, there's an abridged and there's an unabridged one. Just make sure you get the unabridged one. It's fantastic. World war Z is still maybe the best zombie story ever written. Um, which is why it's a bummer that, you know, uh, 
<laughs> you know, <clears throat> that it was not made properly. Um, Leah's asking, how was the original Dawn not on this list? Who let Zoomers who don't know better and outright dummies log on to IMDb and vote? Yeah, you're right. Let's get it. Let's get to it. Number one, Night of the Living Dead. I don't disagree with that. The original Night of the Living Dead, uh, tremendous. One of the best movies I, I've ever seen. The first time I saw it, scared the living shit out of me. Um, Night of the Living Dead is a, a tremendous achievement in filmmaking. I don't mind it being number one. It is the thing that started it all. Everything that we think of as zombies came from that movie. Um, and George Romero, again, is uh, often maligned, but my God what that man gave to horror cinema, like the walking dead doesn't exist without night, the living dead. Um, so that is it. But yeah, it is. This is a bad list. This is a very bad top 10 list of zombie movies. Um, a, uh, let's see. Well, well, let's do. Here's another top 10 list. And the, we'll we'll run through this one fast. Uh, but this one, I think, is a little closer to being right. Anyway, uh, this list is number 10 is Land of the Dead. Um, eh. Uh, I don't know that it makes a top 10, but you can make that argument. Uh, number nine, Little Monsters, which is a recent Hulu movie. Really good, not a top 10 zombie movie. Number eight. <coughs> excuse me. Number eight is Resident Evil, also not top ten zombie movies. Not even, it's not even a top ten video game movie. Um, number seven is Zombieland. Eh, I mean, if you were doing top ten zombie comedy list, maybe, but not top ten zombie movies. Uh, Dawn of the Dead 2004. Shaun of the Dead 2004. Uh, Shaun of the Dead maybe belongs on a top ten zombie movie list. It's It's quite good. Uh, Train to Busan, 2016, uh, of course. Train to Busan, one of the best, you know, 21st century zombie movies, to be sure. Uh, 28 Days Later, again, I think there's an argument to be made. I don't know if it'd make my list. 28 Days Later deserves at least a conversation. Uh, and then one and two on this list is uh, number two, Dawn of the Dead, 78, and Night of the Living Dead, uh, 68. I don't have a problem with either of those. Um... Andrew asks, what about Michael Jackson's short film Thriller? I would argue that's more of a were-puma uh, story than an actual zombie story. But, you know, you be the judge. And Lee says, Night is the herald of modern horror films coming into being. Uh, I don't I don't disagree with that. I think that's, that's probably accurate. Um, okay, that's going to do it this time around. Uh, we have been going for uh, about an hour 20 here, so we're going to wrap this up. Uh, I will say in the coming week, here's what we've got going on on the dark parade. Uh, depending on, uh, the health of my co-host, we should have a, what you watching on Friday. Uh, Jamie's been a little bit under the weather, so we'll see how that shakes out. Um, and I will, uh, come hell or high water. There will be something released on Friday. If not a, what you watching, we'll do another found footage Friday or, uh, found footage fool. And then on Wednesday, will be the conversation I had with Derek Bourgeois about My Bloody Valentine. Uh, you're going to enjoy that. That was a lot of fun. We had a, a real good time talking about that. And then um, next week, 
We've got Heart of Horror with Kate Pollock. Uh, be sure you drop either Kate or myself a line if you have any relationship, love, or sex questions or stories. Uh, and, of course, you can request that you your name be anonymous. And the only people that will ever know are, is you and me and or uh, Kate. You can uh, drop us a line on Facebook. Uh, Twitter is at uh, Dark Parade Pod. Um, there's a, a link on, uh, the Facebook group to the, uh, discord. So you can shoot me a message on discord as well. Whatever gets it to, you, uh, gets it to us. If you have any, uh, questions or comments, um, for us on heart of horror and, uh, hell Knight will be dropping, uh, a conversation I had with, uh, Mr. Benham, uh, that will be happening on the 27th. And then, of course, next month is all watery horrors. Uh, right now, it looks like the next Sinister Sunday will likely be on the 15th of May. Uh, we'll see how all that goes. Again, you know, Sinister Sundays, it, it depends on what, what gets scheduled and when. But um, thanks very much uh, for hanging out. Thanks for all the questions. Thanks for making this chat really fun, as always. It's always a great time. So uh, have a great rest of your Easter Sunday. Have a great week ahead. And uh, thanks again for joining the Dark Parade. We'll, uh, we'll see you very soon. So uh, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.